You know, it's not often that you interview somebody where you have an immediate connection. Even before you hit record, you have an immediate connection. And that's what I had with Dr. Chris Motley. He's a chiropractic doctor. He's a kinesiologist. He's an acupuncturist. He has neuroemotional technique certifications and functional biochemistry training. This guy's awesome. I found him through Dr. Josh Axe. Uh, I was part of an event that Axe held and then I saw that Chris was interviewing Axe, or Axe was interviewing Motley. Anyway, I was like, man, this guy's awesome. I got to get him on here, and he's close. You know, there's not many people east of the Mississippi like me. He's down in Nashville. I'm in Kentucky, so it's rare to find people like this with this level of education and clinical experience, so I'm really excited to talk with Dr. Chris Motley today about many, many things, but part of it is Lyme. Um, acupuncture. What's the history of acupuncture? You know, most people think of it as just you get some needles in you and what the heck does it do? We'll kind of break down some of the behind the scenes information about that. And then what about Babesia? What about Bartonella? Some of these extremely common but often missed and underdiagnosed tick-borne, flea-borne, mosquito-borne infections. And so I'm really pumped to bring that to you. But first, I have launched my third functional medicine training course. We've got almost 500 students now in Better Belly. So uh, congratulations to all of you. I'm so thrilled that you're in there. Now we have open better energy. So if you're exhausted, if you're depressed, if you can't exercise without crashing or you have exercise intolerance, maybe you have post-COVID fatigue, which is an epidemic problem. I'm seeing it with this latest variant, people that just simply cannot get their head off the freaking couch. Uh, Luckily, we're not seeing as many breathing lung issues in the clinic, but we're still seeing a massive amount of fatigue. I'm going to teach you how to fix all of this, how to double your mood, your performance, how to get your sex drive back, how to just simply feel human again. That is what the Better Energy Functional Medicine Training Course is all about. This is designed for people like you, also practitioners listening. It's for you as well. This is something that you can do on your own. It's self-paced. You can take yourself through the course, you're going to learn exactly how to fix issues that are robbing your energy, your mood, your libido, infections that are stealing your nutrients and affecting your neurotransmitter production, how to test for toxins in your home and your body that could be the source of your fatigue that doctors are never going to think about and never going to discuss with you, and then how do you create an effective health protocol. I'm going to teach you how to connect the stool test, the mycotoxin profile, organic acids testing, along with home petri dish testing, and put it all together to create a comprehensive protocol to fix it all so that we can double your energy, double your focus, your drive, your libido. We can fix it. And I have dozens of case studies ranging from very young children to elderly people to everyone in between. I'm showing you exactly what we did how we fixed it, and how you can fix yourself. It is the best course that I've created so far. I mean, Better Belly is hard to top, but I'm telling you this Better Energy Functional Medicine course is freaking awesome. And this is something that you can do on your own. Like I said, it's self-paced. I have a client who's also a student, Dr. Bright. She's a naturopathic doctor. She said that she took a functional medicine training course for $5,000 for continuing education, and my course was better, and my course is less than a 1000 bucks, and I'm giving an insane offer to launch it, and then I'm never going to do it again, which I'll just go ahead and give you the secret here. You're basically getting a buy one, get one free course, so I'll leave it at that, but I want you to go check out the masterclass. It's free. You can learn the three secret strategies that I've discovered after solving my own energy problems and working with a thousand clients with mood and energy problems. So we'll have the link in the show notes. You can check availability. So you'll just have to go to this page. It's in your show notes there. You'll just select a date because uh, there's only limited timing available for these master classes. So you'll just have to click, find a date that works for you, book it, and then you'll be able to access the master class. And if you decide you want to enroll, 
double your health, libido, energy, mood, all of it, then you'll have the option to enroll at the discounted price with the crazy deal that I'm putting in there. So I hope you'll join me. This is a way to clone myself. You know, I'm limited in the amount of clients I can see per week. I'm booked out for months. Megan is booked out as well. We're still helping people. We're still offering one-on-one consultations. So if you do need help, you can see the availability and you can book a consult at my site, evanbrand.com. But if you're somebody who you have somewhat uh, functional brain, I guess is the best way to put it, a somewhat functional brain, and you feel like you can start to digest and read and listen and watch some videos as I talk you through exactly how to run these things and interpret these things and make a protocol, then the course is for you. Now, if you're someone who's so sick, you can't even get out of bed, you can't even look at a screen right now, then you need one-on-one help. Uh, But if you're somebody who's a little better than that, then this energy course could take back your health, you could take back your life and become a more successful, productive human being. So that is the Better Energy Functional Medicine Training by yours truly. Now, without further ado, let's get into the podcast with Chris Motley. I hope you enjoy. Dr. Chris Motley, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much, Evan. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I'm just very, very impressed with your podcast. So thanks for having me on here. I really appreciate it, brother. Yeah, well, we've been having fun. I mean, we've been talking for a long time, and eventually we had to hit record, uh, <laughs> but we were talking all things infections, and I was telling you about my struggles with tick-borne infections, and you were really educating me a lot about Babesia, and yes, I, I think Babesia is something that... As you know, to this day, the conventional medical system really poo-poos Babesia or they may act like it's some rare disease and like there's got to be some crazy situation for you to get Babesia. Just like parasites, there's still this idea that parasites are some rare thing and you got to go to a tropical place and get food poisoning and bad water and you, you drink from the toilet in Mexico. I mean, the mainstream medical world is just, for lack of a better word, they're retarded when it comes to parasites. And so I find the same about Babesia though. And so... Apparently, you had your own journey with Babesia. Where did, did. Where did you grow up? Did you have tick bites? Was it a tick-borne thing, or what happened? It was, my friend. Uh, I grew up in when I I moved. I lived in Kansas when I was a kid, but I moved into to Tennessee when I was around eleven or twelve. Um, a dog of mine, a little puppy, I thought it had gotten lost. I went down to the woods to find the dog. I came back through the brush. I love the woods. I do everything in the woods as an outdoor kid. Came up, there was dirt on my legs. I thought it was dirt. It was all the nymph ticks. I went through a nest of them. And there was probably about, I was a nerd back, I still am a nerd, and I counted them, and there was about 60 different ticks on my legs, but about, I would say half of them had connected. Um, after that, I started getting the symptoms of uh, tremors and fasciculations in my legs, you know, like that cramping feeling, insomnia, started seeing like I'd have night terrors, I started hearing things at night, and in my brain, I felt like, uh, started getting consistently tired, hands sweating, feet sweating all the time. And we talked about Babesio, like that started... And it sort of subsided during my high school years because my body adapted to it, you know, but I was always chronically fatigued, even through high school, even through undergrad and graduate. Now, I still was always tired. But when I did have full-blown tick Lyme disease, it happened during my practice. So I was about 31, 32 years of age, almost passed out on a patient. Um, and, and I was literally gray and ashy. And from that moment around 31, it was like three years of hell because I literally had, like we said, I had started seeing flashing lights, which really scared me, losing vision in eyes because of migraines and ocular migraines, um, it, t- tinnitus and all yeah, these, like yeah. I could hardly, you know, the heart palpitations at times I thought it was just me getting older. Now, when I got tested, I, some people were telling me, oh, it's, it's adrenal fatigue, which I did have adrenal fatigue. Yeah, but another friend of mine, Dr. Alan Lindsley, who's a huge Lyme doctor up in Wisconsin, he almost died from Lyme. So he created his own tinctures. He's one of my friends. Say, come on out. He says, man, you've got Lyme infection pretty bad. He goes, the biggest one's Babesia. How did he, he figure this out? He did a lot of f- frequency medicine because my blood work didn't show much. Like when I got blood work, they said, oh, your blood's clean and your blood's normal. And I was like, so I was at a loss. I was like, well, I just must have adrenal fatigue because I feel so sick. So he did that and he does blood tests and such, but he said, no, he has a frequency scanner. And he said, hey, no, there's some frequency uh, generated within the body. We think there's could be some Babesia there. So I went there. I've had other tests since then, which confirmed that said that, yeah, I had Lyme infection. And I went, well, it's Babesia is pretty heavy within my, uh, my blood. And I knew it was in my head. 
because I literally could not think straight. Like I, we were talking about this. I'd be walking down the road, felt like I was above myself, walking above myself and thinking, you know, I, you know, for my job, that's what we do, brother. We, we think all day. And I'm like, it would literally hurt my brain after a while to think. And I went down to three patients a day. I was seeing 25, 30 people a day, went down to three patients a day, I had to wear a neck brace because my neck was so weak at some points. I was like, really? I don't know. yeah, I was like, I don't think I can do this. So I know I'm talking, but the Babesia came up. And so I started taking tinctures for Babesia. And I'm telling what we talked about. I felt like my jaws would pop open my ears because it was killing off so much Babesia in my body. Now, now educate us on that. So what the heck's going on there? Well, you and I were talking about cavitations before we hit record. We were talking about jaw infections and wisdom teeth removal. You're saying the Babesia, they like to hide in these cavitation sites. Is that what was going on? They do. They do. And they say there's high amounts of reports. I was just talking to a, a, a dentist friend of mine who said that with Babesia, let alone, they said that on almost every person they've done examples, ex, extrusions and finding in the cavitations and done biopsies, almost every single one of their patients, they found Lyme bacteria like Borrelia. And they also found that there's co-infections with it. Almost every single patient of theirs. So when somebody says like, you know, like can a cavitation be infected with Lyme? Yes, it can. Babesia would get down into the jaw and I had uh, images done and I had two big gaps in both sides of my jaw where there were cavitations. I started taking tinctures that were meant to help kill off Lyme infections and Babesia. And then I went back down to a friend. We talked to a friend of mine who was in Ecuador and he was a, a great dentist doctor down there. He sent me to get some CAT scans. He says, no, they're gone. But all that cleansing through those cavitations, when it builds up underneath the root, um, they, it's hard to flush them out. The hardest part though, I'm sorry I'm talking so fast guys, but it makes me excited talking Let's about it. Let's do it. Come on. You know, you? whenever, when we talk about bone marrow, the problem with Lyme and Babesia is Babesia and Lyme, for those who don't know out there, it's a blood parasite. So what that means is they'll wiggle their way into your red blood cells. They'll eat the hemoglobin, the protein within your cells. And so your hemoglobin attaches to iron, then attaches to oxygen. And so you get oxygenated, but they love the proteins and they love sugars. So what do they do? They'll find an easy access point into the bone marrow, like down into your jaw and your cavitations, and they'll just start eating away like, you know, hey, there's a free meal. There's some bone marrow with like some good proteins down here because the bone marrow is trying to create a lot of this stuff, uh, the, the red blood cells. And it's one of the easiest access points. Um, one of the things that I find very um, common with my Lyme disease patients with Babesia is that when you start killing them, they literally, have you found this dog? Like you, you find it, they'll come in and they'll be like, man, I keep having irritation, inflammation, this gum right here, or this place bleeds all the time. So I go in there and I check um, and do it like, I'll say, well, you may want to get an oral test because there's different oral tests that test for different types of infections like that. Now, like we may need to see if there's some up in the gum or go to a biological dentist. And um, with the Babesia, it is heavily able to get into the jaws and so is Borrelia and even Bartonella but those two are really really big. Wow well you know I've seen like uh, case studies about uh, autopsies on people that had Lyme and the spirochetes are everywhere they're in the brain the liver the kidneys I mean it yes. appears Borrelia goes everywhere. It does and the things though we talked about how like you know when it's so invasive the thing about Borrelia it's called spirochete because it's called it's, it's basically called horse's tail it's basically look or coiled, I'm sorry, coiled hair. What am I saying? Coiled hair. And so it's named after that in Latin because it can move very quickly. And so when it goes everywhere, the problem is it loves like your joints because glucosamine is made of, you know, glucosamine and amino acids. And so you have glucose in there. It'll go to your joints and your discs, even your white and gray matter, and it'll have a feast. So then get into those areas and start eating away at the tissue and eating up all this collagen and these proteins. It's basically food for them. So anytime you have like your joints in play, people with arthritis, and I hate to say it, chronic arthritis, deteriorated discs, like you say in the autopsy, you'll find Lyme signals all over that person. And so like when you say the brain and the autopsies, I found another report the other day, they talked about with Lyme autopsies, how heavy the Borrelia were in people with dementia and Alzheimer's. They of just course. found like just tons, like eating away their brain and people and, and high in the bladder. So all these people that have high bladder infections and kidney infections that have low kidney chi, you cannot eliminate the idea or the possibility of Lyme or Borrelia or Babesia too. Well, I've seen it with Bartonella too, bladder pain in females, and you just give them Bartonella herbs and the bladder pain goes away, but they've been treated by their gynecologist with antibiotics for years, destroyed their gut, destroyed their mitochondria. Now they have chronic fatigue because yep. of all the antibiotics. And, and it's really amazing that like whenever um, you find that needle in the haystack, like you find those things where people go, oh my goodness, Evan, I can't believe my life would have been hell, you know, and you found it. Point in case, my mom has had chronic dizziness 
and she suffered a stroke not too long ago, but she's one of the, you know, I love my little mom, she's a little Korean lady, but she would listen to me sometimes and not with like, some of the infection. But from what I, my indications, I found, I said, I think there's Babesia or Borrelia right here in her brain. Talked to her primary medical doctor. We ran some blood tests. Sure enough, she had Borrelia. We found the needle in a haystack. She had high antibodies for Babesia. All right. So I'm not now trying to like incorporate small herbals to start cleaning it out, but you're right. It's to me, when you find those small things where you think a person goes, well, I just got a UTI or something. You're like, no, you got Lyme related infections in your bladder and you clean it out. I mean, then people know that you know what you're talking about and they want to come see you. And then you have like, and then people, it's like, it's a call, isn't it? It's like you, you heal that one person, don't you brother? And all of a sudden you get 10 more people that come in and you're like, I didn't even try to advertise treating Bartonella, but here it comes. Yeah. I don't spend any money on advertising. Uh, I never yeah. have, you know, and some people in the marketing world, some of our friends, they spend tons of money on Facebook ads and all that. It was just never my, never my thing. So all the cognitive stuff I told you about, some of the dizziness and things I've had, it seems that Babesia affects the brain more than Lyme and Bartonella. Is Babesia getting more nutrients from the brain? Is it accumulating in the brain somehow? Why is there so much brain thing? Do you have any idea of why Babesia affects the, the cognitive stuff so much? I would say that um, some some experts say, and some from my experience, they say that Babesia is so small, such a small parasite, that it has the ability to get between the interstitial spaces, the spaces between the cells. And also, they say that for one red blood cell, they say there's thousands of Babesia that can fit into one blood cell. In fact, they replicate. So what it happens, they get in and they start eating proteins. They replicate and get bigger and bigger until your red blood cells pop open. So they can get into the brain pretty quick through the blood-brain barrier because the junctions are tight, you know, within your arteries in your brain. But eventually, if they even have Borrelia with it, things will burrow through and these Babesia just go through. Now, there's some experts out there that say that Lyme could be just as heavily in the brain. But from what I've experienced, it seems like the brain, that the Babesia is a really big problem because they're so small. And then they give off so much toxicity that the toxicities then are easily getting into your blood-brain barrier, like through the arteries. And so you get this hyper amount of oxygen species trying to kill off these infections. And so you have a double whammy. You have the toxicities from the Babesia plus reactive oxygen species from your own body trying to kill it. So the brain is like a perfect spot because it's so small. And it, they used to call it cattleman's fever in Texas. That's where they would get it and they get bit by a tick and they get all these, you know, this Babesia. They get chronic fevers, chills, body aches, sore joints. And Babesia can get in the joints. You can get anywhere. But for some reason, I find it gets a lot in the brain. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, if I could resolve some of the brain stuff, I'd be taking over the world, you know, because like I feel like I've resolved everything else. Blood pressure's better. Joints are better. Energy's better. Sleep's better. But mm -hmm. man, the drain of Babesia, it, it's intense. It is. And it, for you, I'm just not trying to talk about you on, but well, we can use it as an example. Go ahead. But we can even talk about like whenever we drain like different biotoxin binders. The thing that helped me with my Babesia was... I took all the my tinctures and my herbs and it killed everything off. And then um, I know you know these things because I've seen it on your podcast. When we talk about mitochondria and methylation and such. It took for me taking certain forms of like I took bamboo, like charcoal. Then I took like we talked about certain types of minerals like fulvic minerals. I added those together. I had to get a, a few specific like a little more selenium and a little bit more magnesium. When I started to combine those with, you know, certain B vitamins at certain stages, it started to really pull all the infections out of my brain pretty well. And um, I was really surprised at how uh, just a few different um, minerals put together in a small ratio helped me out. So it, there's hope. I want people to like, and once you know that we can, you know, see that we can help with that. Wow. So you think just adding in the bees, upregulating up methylation, you think that's what helped you turn the corner? For me, like, but I'll say this, my MTHF markers, brother, were so bad. <laughs> I don't laugh. I don't want anybody to think I'm making a lot of it. I'm talking about me. Like my, my parents gave me like the double jeopardy whammy, whatever it used to be called. Like I looked at my, yeah. I'm like, no wonder I got sick. I mean, I had double recessives for all the major MTHFR genes. And whenever I took a B vitamin, when I was a younger, I remember I couldn't even handle it. So what happens, we get B vitamins and you just start shaking and you can't handle it. And you feel sick because you're upregulating your detoxification pathway and you like, you actually feel worse. So what it took for me was, killing off the Babesia, getting a lot of it cleaned out. Then I started, was able to incorporate those bees because I got tests. I got gene testing. I got some tests like these are the specific bees, B12, like adenosyl and hydroxy B12. You know, like we talk about with uh, Dr. Hyman and I found like that with B1, B2 and B6. And you mean Lynch? 
You're talking about Lynch. Lynch. Yeah, Lynch. Yeah. Not having Lynch. But yeah, we. Uh, but I found that those B vitamins. Now, I wouldn't recommend all of you out there that have Lyme to go out and just grab B complex. Don't don't do that because if you're not ready to methylate it, your body will like let you know because you got to you got to start off slow and know your genetics. Find a good practitioner that can help you find those uh, information of MTHFR. So let me ask you this. I mean, this is like the million dollar question. I don't even know the answer. I think I have an answer. My answer is that the goal is just to get the load down enough to let the immune system heal and so you can recover and live a normal life. But when you're approaching these issues of Lyme, Bartonella, Babesia, are you trying to go for just complete elimination? Are you just trying to hit it for a few months and then you pull off and then you pulse again? I mean, how do you, like when you're visualizing this or explaining this to a patient, what is your end goal with Lyme, Bartonella, Babesia? My goal is just like you said, and I do practice a lot of Chinese medicine, so I always say it's always building energy. So the goal is to build energy so your body does what it's supposed to do on its own. And so my, my first thought when I first had Lyme was like, kill, kill, kill. We are going to go and kill this off as bad as possible. When we did that, people would have Herxheimer, Herx reactions. They'd feel sick. So it changed my way of looking at it. So when patients come in, I usually do a gene report or gene test, test those things and find out which ones aren't working well. And then, but I do that, but I really focus in on the Chinese medicine aspect. I find what the deficient imbalanced organ is. What is their main organ that's the weakest energetically? I give them herbs and spices to upregulate and strengthen that organ. Then I try to give minerals and vitamins to help with their genes. So if you strengthen up the main organ that's deficient in their genetic line, you'll take care of a ton of stuff so they get energy. If you start doing a little bit of work with their liver and their methylation, then whatever's left over, I start using killers because nobody wants to stay on killers all their life. I mean, I tell people, it's like, your goal is not to have to take this herbal to kill the infection. The goal is to get your immune system where you're actually absorbing vitamin D and vitamin A and actually can upregulate your immune to go do it itself. So people will say, well, you'll never get rid of Lyme. I'm like, that's not the point. The point is to get your immune system so good that whenever any hidden pockets show their ugly face, you go right after them and kill them. So that's how we do with our patients. And thankfully... I love it when you say pulse. I always start off with energizing. Do work with the liver to energize the liver. That's the two things. How do you find how do you find out? You're talking about figuring out like the deficient organ. Is this okay. a specific test? Is this energetic testing in the energetic office? Energetic testing with uh, pulse points. Like in Chinese medicine, we do the pulse points like on the wrist. Like you, you find the pulse points. You find out when they call them bounding or tightening. So you in Chinese medicine, you look at the tongue, look at the eyes. What are you looking for on the tongue? The tongue, you'll look for crevices on the outer edges of the tongue. Like if the tip of the tongue is really red, it can mean that they have heart. Their heart's the weakest. So check out my tongue. Let's have you analyze my tongue here. I know I've got some scalloping. Yes. On the outer edges right there, you have a bit of spleen deficiency and your liver's a small amount of toxicity because right there in the middle, guys, he doesn't have a huge crease in the middle. So that's good. It means his stomach is, is okay. He's been treating his stomach real well. You can tell he's trying to keep his inflammation down. The small white edges means this. He does probably have... Right on the edges, he's probably got a little bit of candida or yeast that's affecting his liver or his spleen area. The edges around, meaning they're a little bit, uh, when they're ruffled, it means that his spleen is spleen deficient. So, And Babesia that, affects the spleen, doesn't it? Completely. It'll give you mono-like symptoms. So if, if, if Babesia is in your bloodstream and your, your spleen is catching all that infection like a filter, you'll find people with a red... You ought to see my tongue when I had movies. It would just, I mean, just looks like somebody pinched the edges like a pie crust. Let's see your tongue now. What does your tongue look like? See, I'll show you. See how it's, it's ruffled on the outside? It has a little bit of white on the outside? Yeah. Huh? yeah. See, that I would say my, you have candida when I look at your tongue. Yeah. I'm doing a liver detox with my acupuncturist now because they said they found it. Now, the middle's getting better because uh -huh. I've been doing a liver and a heart. They said the reason it built up is because my liver was weak with yeast, and it can't fill to your blood well, and it's giving your heart dirty blood. So I was like, oh, and so... I think my tongue is better, but see right here? A little bit of red. Yeah. So I know that I have to get rid of some of those infections. So my heart and my liver, it's already starting to clear really well. Before, I didn't really have it, but I've been doing a lot of uh, detoxification pathways for myself. And my Chinese medicine doctor, she was like, oh, we got to do more on your liver. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's hit it hard. And I'll tell you guys, <laughs> I'm test it to myself, brother. Like, I'll be working on people. And I put on, I take showers, put on my deodorant and everything, but I'm like, I kind of smell. And what do you smell it, like? Um, usually like a little bit of ammonia. Yeah, I figured. Like ammonia type because, mm -hmm. you know, your, your recycle can be thrown off. So, Well, I told yes. you b before we hit record, uh, you literally just got done doing acupuncture. I literally just got done doing acupuncture. I had her over at my house. 
and I could smell the detox. And I told you before we hit record, I said, man, my pee smelled way stronger after that acupuncture. And I'm completely just uneducated when it comes to acupuncture. So I know we could re- we could talk about this line, but busy I think forever. But let's transition into acupuncture because yeah. I don't even know what the heck's going on. I know there's some energy movement going on. I can feel things. I know that when she put it in my shoulder, which mm-hmm. my shoulder was tight, I wanted her to help that. I could feel the blood flow. I felt this kind of histamine flush almost in that area. So I know that there was some things going down and going on or maybe going up is more accurate. But what is the goal of acupuncture? You're somehow moving energy around where's the energy coming from the energy they call it from the original jing chi so they say that the energy that comes through the umbilical cord and energy literally electrical ions or electrical ions because when they talk about chi chi is bipolar electrical energy which means it's bipolar it can move in both directions within small tubes in your fascia around your muscles through your muscles called meridians so this electrical pathways are all through the system i'll show you guys don't think i'm a nerd but i am here they are, and there's little lines on this doll, and these represent small electrical pathways through the body. Now, what that means is this. These small uh, pathways carry electricity that travel through certain muscles and near and through organs. So it's there to energize your organs and to move blood along. Because in Chinese medicine, the two things you circulate is blood and electricity. So they say that when you say, what is it doing with an acupuncture needle? If you have a highway of energy that's like saying going down the gallbladder meridian, you see, it starts at the edge of the eye, you can't really see it, but it goes down the neck, okay? It goes down the side. What happens if there's a block within that pathway, the point will get inflamed. And this means that there's a backup of energy into the organ. So you'll have excess electricity that's being stalled in the gallbladder. So every area along that pathway starts to get inflamed because it's blocked. So you'll have people come to you in your office and they go, man, doc, I don't know what happened, but the side of my head, I got TMJ. I got a little bit shoulder and my hips hurting. First thing I think is gallbladder. So then I go to the gallbladder points. I test them, you know, press them and test them. And I usually try to find out and try to give them on gallbladder cleanses or try to find out if there's an infection. Let me ask you this real quick. So you say you test them. Are yeah. you palpating the gallbladder and you're looking for sensitivity? Totally. Okay. And you can use auscultation. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll talk to my medical doctor friend, and I've seen a lot of them out there. I'm like, hey, can you do a Doppler or do a scan on their gallbladder and see if there's even sludge? Because some docs will see a little sludge and they'll be like, it's nothing big. I'm like, no, if there's if there's sludge, there could be Babesia or Bartonella. It could be infections in that gallbladder. In the gallbladder. Totally. The Babesia so, can be hanging out in the sludge or causing the sludge? Not mostly hanging out, but I'd say this. But they can create biofilms. So the thing is, like, if the liver is trying to clean out the Babesia or the Lyme, if it's filtering out, remember, the bile that's made in the liver carries a lot of your infections and toxins. But when it gets in the gallbladder, it gets alkalinized with the salts, with your gallbladder salts. And so it neutralizes the toxins. But if your gallbladder is weak, like in Chinese medicine, then the infections can seriously thrive. They'll jump into the digestive system when you eat a fatty meal, and it'll just start deteriorating your digestion. So Chinese medicine will... Find a pathway that's the most, you know, blocked, most tender. And then Chinese medicine does this. I hope this is a decent explanation. You have meridians, you have electricity flowing. Each organ is associated with another organ because of how it helps build the body. Like the gallbladder and liver help feed good blood into the heart. So if your liver's good, your heart will be strong. If it isn't, your heart will be deficient. You'll have tachycardia, palpitations, and you'll have issues like the red tip of the tongue. You'll actually have red tip of the nose. You'll have pain underneath the arm and along the heart meridian. So you have these pathways that give you indications where the blocks are in the body. And this is the cool thing, brother. Anytime it's running through the the tissue and it's along the pathway of a muscle, you know, if it's going around, if it's blocked, that muscle will get weak. Two reasons. The muscle can't contract properly. Yes, you got nerve signal because that's separate. But that electrical flow helps contract the muscle. But it also, if you look at your lymph nodes, meridians in Chinese medicine always flow along near lymph nodes because lymph nodes don't pump on their own. They don't have a lot of muscles in their walls. That's why Tony Robbins and all them say jump up and bound every morning to get your lymph flowing. Why? Because at night it doesn't flow that well because you're not moving. So the electricity patterns help pump that lymph. But what happens when you get Lyme? When you get you get blocked? All that stagnation, that lymph, allows those infections to build up in your lymph nodes. So to get your acupuncture, you want to transfer electricity, just like wires in your house. 
click on the light, you want electricity to hit the, the light bulb just as quick as you can. But if you clip that lot wire, you're going to clip all, flip all day and that light bulb's not going to come on. So that's what acupuncture tries to do. It tries to connect every organ to each other. That's what it's called. It's literally like organ to organ. And I can go into further detail, brother, but this is, I don't want anybody to get bored out there, but it could even describe your emotions, how your emotions format because of the connection of those wires of electricity. Wow. Now the acupuncturist who was at my house, she was telling me that apparently, I mean, thousands of years ago, I guess this was in ancient China, that there was, there were book burning and all sorts of like suppression of acupuncture. I don't know if you know much about this, but apparently they were trying to like get rid of acupuncture. I don't know who they is, but really I, I'm, and I'm not trying to get political about it, but they say like when the communist party came into play that they saw that people could actually use herbals because there was different ways you could use herbs, acupuncture, acupressure, gua sha, which is scraping, cupping herbs. They were all kind of separate in their own way, but they finally pulled them together to make traditional Chinese medicine or Chinese medicine. When the government found out about it, they're like, they, they killed a lot of practitioners. And in fact, like they, they outlawed many of the practitioners. Many of them went underground because people had a way of healing their bodies and a way of like, you know, trying to get better on their own. So they weren't so dependent. And so they tried their best. They're like, this is not medicine. You know, even they were going down this route of like chemistry and, you know, pharmaceuticals. Because that, that was my thought when she told me that. I thought, well, wait a second. There wasn't a pharmaceutical competitor back then. Who the hell would have been trying to suppress this? Yes, but the back, in the back in the day, they were saying that even the government wanted to rule the people's health system and such. And Holy so they saw them smokes. as threats. They even did that with people who are practitioners of Kung Fu and, you know, people that did martial arts. They're like, these are a threat to us because they give the people power. So there was a lot. There's even more. There's even more books about the ends of it. Like there's probably more, not say theories, but um, parts of it that I don't even know about. But that's what I learned in school. And so I was like, well, now they started to see that it can actually help. And sometimes they're still not looked on with the greatest amount of uh, favor from the government in China right now. But I believe uh, it. Well, they're kind of ignored in the in the U.S. I mean, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, we'll let you do your little, you know, your little foo-foo practice over here. Yeah. Like that's how it's that's kind exactly. of regarded. And it's, and it's really sad because if we had both Eastern and Western medicine that could work together, like if you had like an acupuncturist or something like working on every floor, you know, of, of a hospital, you could literally, you can look at the facial diagnosis. You could look at the tongue and the eyes and literally give them some heads up. Like this guy's got complete spleen deficiency. You need to build that spleen up to get his white blood cells to activate. You know, how good would that be if we had that in our culture? Well, it'd be amazing. But the crazy part is look how many thousands of years have gone by and we really haven't improved that much in terms of the political influence on medicine. I mean, look at us now. I mean, you go on YouTube right now and you see, you say the word something, something mectin at the end, you say that word, you're banned, you're freaking deleted off YouTube. It's in their policy that that's misinformation, even though government documents have revealed that the government knew that mectin was amazingly effective at, you know what, and Mm -hmm. They freaking covered it up the whole time. So here we are 3,000 years later. I don't know exactly when acupuncture came about, but I heard it was like, what, was it 3,000 BC or? Yes. And it's like they said it was like almost some people say almost 5,000 years old, but I would say, but you're right, about 3,000 years old, two, two to two and a half to 3,000 years old. I, yeah. I can't even comprehend that. I mean, in our lifespan, like that's a blip, you know, it's like, but that many years ago, and then here we are supposedly in the future and we still are dealing with this BS of the suppression of this information. It truly is. And I think that it's it's alarming and it can be saddening that when we're in this day and age where research is even heavier and higher and you have these different forms of healing that have been shown to exist. Meridians, those little pathways of electricity have been shown to exist. They put uh, radioactive dye in them and shown them the passage of these pathways in the body. They say that it travels every two inches, takes about 30 minutes. So it's very slow moving electrical signals. And then, you know, then you have some individuals say, well, that's just, you know, woo woo. And it's not. And I'm like, goodness gracious, you go get your EKG done. You go get your brainwave activity, activity uh, process. What is it measuring? Electrical activity. It's measuring sound and electricity from your brain or from your heart. That's not woo woo. Like the only reason it's different is because they have electrodes hooked up to you. Whereas a practitioner just feels your pulse and feels your circulation and feels points on the body. But the skin is such a big conductor of electricity. It's a huge conductor of voltage. So your acupuncture is helping you. When she feels the point, she's feeling the voltage off your skin. She's sensitive enough to feel the change in the voltage. 
That's why the master acupuncturist can go and just feel on the skin and go, oh, here's the point, and they needle it, and you're like, ooh, I feel that. They're so, the they're, so, so, so they're energetically sensitive. So I wonder if these acupuncturists, these really sensitive ones, are they reacting to EMF? Are they sensitive to Wi-Fi? Where that, does that negatively impact their ability to read and perceive? If they're chi, and they're, they call it their protective wei chi, the wei chi is protective chi. So when they talk about qi kong and tai chi, you know, you hear about people like, what's all that? It's literally movements to help build up the electrical shield around your body. Because you can measure fields, electromagnetic fields off a person's body. If it's low and there's not enough protection, you'll feel the EMF. Like you get very, very um, reactive to EMF. Practitioners are very sensitive because that's all they do all day is conduct voltage through their body. So then you get near a big radio tower and you're like, what in the world? Why does my head feel dizzy? Like, because you trained your body to feel voltage and you have to train as a practitioner to get it, your field bigger and bigger. If not, you'll be unprotected. Wow. So what, what would you suggest to build that field? You said Tai Chi, what else? Qi Kong is really good. Tai Chi grounding, it means you have to get away from literally, like you've been out in the country, you have to get away from the electrical activity and be out where you can ground. It doesn't mean you have to wear, not wear your shoes all day, but I use grounding pads. I tell people grounding sheets, be out uh, on the earth, get your feet in the dirt. But also if you're near the ocean, get out there in the salt and get in the water because you need something to help ground you out, literally. Like you're full of voltage and charge. You need something to like help escape that voltage from your body into what? A grounding rod. So we're sitting there walking around with our phones all day and we're around TV and, you know, we have this T our computers right there and we're absorbing a lot of the, the waves and the voltage from the batteries and people don't realize how much it sticks inside of them. So I always say those practices, practices be as much as can in, in nature, but grounding pads, grounding um, sheets are really good um, and, and always good essential fatty acids. The stronger your nerve coating is, the better you'll insulate your nerves and you won't be so reactive to EMFs. Uh, and, and lime eats away that myelin sheath, doesn't it? Oh man, it's the worst that you write, brother. Like we, I know when we, uh, we got to get more talks about this is great, but the myelin sheath guys is insulation. So that lime will eat it away. And so when that happens, that nerve gets more exposed. So you'll find people who have lime for a long time. They're like, man, I, I can't get around like hot, you know, uh, breaker boxes. I can't get around like an outlet because I feel dizzy. And I'm like, yeah, because your nerves are filling up that impulse from the electromagnetic pulses from that, that wiring. So I had a bad problem with that for a while. You were I, EMF sensitive? Yeah. Like I, you know, I did, I use protectors on my phone and stuff, but for the longest time, man, I would keep my phone away, you know, and try to talk through like, you know, safe wiring in my ear because yeah, that, I would yeah, this is an air tube headset, and then I've got that hooked into this USB microphone, which is hardwired to the computer, which is hardwired via Ethernet. So I've been, I'm totally now. There is probably some magnetic fields, but I'm far enough from the screen. But there's no, no. RF. There's no radio frequencies coming from this setup. Yeah, I recommend that to people too, man. When they have Lyme or have bad infections, it's to hardwire. So They're I'm like, sorry to interrupt you. Like, I'm sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but I was just telling you that yeah, I I felt the same. So. I was noticing like if I were watching a YouTube video and it were streaming on cellular data, my hand would start hurting and I would almost get this like mild arthritis. And I thought there's no friggin' way like this yep. can't be happening, but it did. So what was your, what was your reaction? No, like definitely like I'd have like my sensitivity would always be like a lightheadedness. And sometimes I'd feel like I was having a buzz, like a buzzy feeling in my head or in the back of my head. From what specifically? I, usually it was more like with my phone or if I, Sometimes when I was sick close, I don't ever sit close to a TV, but if I was like in a TV where the TV was near like a, a wireless modem, a router, like I, I would feel that. Um, other times, like if I'm in like, it was weird. If I walked in an office building or something of that sort and I was near like any type of breaker box, literally, man, I, I know you, they say you can stand two feet away and after two feet, you're not going to feel it. But I could be like five or six feet away and I'd be like, I, I can feel that. I couldn't never be close to it. So like I usually get tingles in the back of my head. And that's where a lot of my Babesia was and in, in the left side too. So have you, have you ever read the book, The Invisible Rainbow? Yes. You read that? Yeah. Dude, I got that book. But you know, some people said it's hard to find, but I, I, I was so dumbfounded about how the different types of uh, sicknesses and diseases followed the change. Oh, perfectly. Perfectly with radio waves being introduced, a telegram being produced. And I was like, nobody else is reading this stuff. The I'm telegram, the oh my God. I mean, for people that don't know, you get the book, The Invisible Rainbow, you can get the Kindle version to read it ASAP. Uh, basically what happened is every supposed pandemic that we've seen in history was perfectly 
uh, at the same exact time of the release of new technologies. And so when the telegram came and they started running all these electrical wires, all these people started getting sick. So we are just so dumb and ignorant is probably a more accurate word. We're so ignorant about what electricity does to us. It's amazing to me that the Chinese figured that out with these meridians. How the heck with, I mean, they didn't have advanced quote, modern advanced technology. How the heck did they even find all the meridians, know the electricity? This is crazy. This is what they said. This is how they found it. They said that the soldiers in the field, when they got beat up, you know, they go into battle, they'd have old injuries like, you know, like cuts or something that wouldn't, that didn't heal or bones that wouldn't heal, like bone breaks and stuff. Well, one of the generals got, literally got shot in the leg and they found this with other, other soldiers too. When they get like an arrow in the bone or arrow in the skin and they had to break off a piece and there was like a piece of the metal in there, they were finding out that the injury below the puncture site would start to heal. And they were like, what? So the, the metal head from the arrowheads or they were finding out that it was helping opening up the fascia and reconnecting and grounding that, that, that broken energy line. So the needle was an arrowhead. And so they started seeing that like the injuries would start to heal after the arrowhead was broken off. So they started to investigate and the Chinese did tons of autopsies. If you read their whole history, they, they cut open everybody. So they found small tubes. They found these areas where they say, no, this is where the electricity is traveling. This is how it's healing down this pathway. So they started using needles along these pathways to see if they could open up the energy flow. Holy smokes. Okay. Now, I don't know if there's any truth to this. I've heard there's like a right way and a wrong way to start acupuncture. Like you've got to hit a certain point, maybe on top of the head, or is there a truth to that? Because this lady in particular, she came to my hand. I can't remember if she started on my hand or my leg or, or somewhere, but I'm all, I, somebody put that in my head, this idea that like you have to start out, you have to like open the channels in a certain place. Is there any truth to that or is it okay? Because I was like, uh-oh, did she start it the right way or, or is she screwing me up here? I think that each practitioner has the way they want to open up the system or uh, or go into the system. So I hope that doesn't sound vague, brother. You know, okay. I, I mean, I'm not trying to give like just a push off answer, but really it does. There's different theories and different practices, principles. There's the eight principle. There's a five element theory. There's classical Chinese medicine. There's traditional. There's different ways to approach it. So whenever you have pathways like need to be opened up, now I can see when she says putting on something on the top of the head because if the brain's too overloaded, the governing vessel, which GV20 appears to be open up the brain to allow more access to information throughout the body. But it really goes by the pulse points. It's really what they find and what's the most efficient. And then there's patterns that the teachers say are the constitutional, like the set patterns to first help those deficient organs. So they use those set patterns to open up the system. If they get you into where you get, you know, initial balance, then you can find deeper information. So it's really, it's really each practitioner is different because each person has their own intuition. They have their own clinical practice. So I say that there's some truth to it, but it's also like it's different by individual. Okay. That's a good answer. And so the proper way are acupuncture is supposed to be like measuring your pulse or can they just listen to your symptoms? Cause I just said, Hey, some dizziness and some shoulder pain. And then boom, she went to work, but there wasn't yeah. this measuring. That's what happens though. It's like you, when you tell your, your patients, you know what I mean? You go, they'll say something and you could read their blood work, but you go, eh, I have a pretty good idea what that is. Okay. Chinese medicine, literally man, when they come in and they give me their symptomatology report, I don't act cocky. It's not. But they'll say, I got this here. I got I got a rashes, especially. I got a rash here. I do this, 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 and this. And I go, what time do you go to sleep? Or when you get up? And they'll tell me. And I go, oh, liver. Or, you know, heart. And you're, and, But you still have to test. Like, I've been wrong a lot. I mean, but, I, but I'm like, there's heart stuff there. And the crazy thing is, is that the body will give you the signs and symptoms on the surface. And you have to go in and reveal it by going through other, you know, the brush and try to get down to it. So, yeah, it's, it's like you can do different testing. But intuition kicks in a lot. Okay. Okay. So you're combining, are you doing any stool? Are you doing urine? You did mention some gene stuff and then you're taking clinical experience. You're taking Chinese medicine knowledge. You're, you're blending those. Are there particular tests you're going with? Are you doing organic acids? Are you doing like GI maps? What do you run? Like with? you, man. I love it. Cause I read near We do. We, we're like brothers from another mother, man. I do like GI map tests. I'll do organic acid tests. I'll do try to get even, I'd love to read more about the new organic acids that they're finding. You know, there's so many more things that they're coming out with. 
I'll use, but those are two of my primary. I like sometimes to use Genova Diagnostics to find out if there's any more parasitic activity. Uh, I've been using like DNA connections. I'll use urinalysis with like, you know, proteins from Lyme to, because that's been helping me out. Like DNA connections has a really good urine test. Good. Use urine test, hormone test, Dutch test. Um, goodness. I don't know. How, uh, how, 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 I mean, I love the DNA connections report too. I run that on almost everybody. I suspect Lyme and co-infections. Mm -hmm. You know what's crazy though? It missed Bartonella for me. It, Did it? I, yeah, I found Bartonella on the blood, though. I found the antibodies on my blood, but the, the urine didn't pick it up. And then, of course, no. I react to Bartonella herbs. It's, it's really funny because that's the, that's the bane of our, our practice, brother. It's like, I tell you what, like I, I've done urinalysis, and I've, I test people, and, I, and I, from their symptoms, I'm like, I know you have Babesia. I just, I know it. One of my best friends, I was like, I know you do. Go, and go to Igenix. Igenix has a good test. Ran all that. Negative. And you're, and, like, like, and you're like three grand, by the way, for Igenix, yeah. a full And I was like, I'm sorry, that, but I was like, but the problem was I started treating him before he got the results back because I, I was like, take these herbs, let's get you better. And I'm not, but I'm not saying it got rid of that that quickly. I'm just saying like, that's the hard part is because, you know, Lyme and Babesia, there's hundreds of subspecies within Borrelia. There's hundreds of subspecies with um, Babesia. So when they give you a test, thankfully you found Bartonella on a blood test because they may only test 10 strands, 20 but what if there's 50 or 80 and you have one of those 50 or 80? That's the problem. I don't say problem. It's just the thing that they have to solve. Like yeah, we, there's, yeah. they have to test for so many different types of uh, antibodies or proteins. Have you read the book Bitten? Have you heard that one? Yeah. Yes. That's a crazy yeah, it's pretty, one. It's uh, I don't, okay. Well, I don't mention it a lot to people because people, when they read it, they're like, really? I'm like, well, I had a doctor recommend it to me, but yeah, it's some, it's some crazy information in that. Not crazy yeah. in a bad way. It's just, it's eye opening. Yeah, yeah, it's Chris Newby. I interviewed her for folks listening. It's a uh, book yeah. about, yeah, it's a good interview. You should check it out. I'll check it out, brother. It's, it's actually on YouTube, and you know, there's no censorship on the topic of Lyme, so that one is safe to, to live on there for now. But yeah, for people listening, basically the government injected ticks forcefully. They hired uh, Willie Bugdorfer, who, Bugdorferi, the Lyme spirochete was named after the scientist, the 50s and 60s. Government declassified documents revealed that they were forcefully injecting ticks with various diseases. They then dropped bombs full of these ticks on Cuba to try to incapacitate but not kill their population uh, by mainly attacking the sugarcane plantation workers, as far as I remember. And then there's this huge ball called the sphere or the eight ball or something, this crazy mm -hmm. ball. I think it's in Colorado. Do you remember mm -hmm. that part? Yeah. yeah. It's um, whenever they used, uh, man, I, this is one of those areas because I talk a lot about Lyme. I'm always kind of cautious when I talk about it. But when you talk about like injecting the eight ball and how they would use air currents and they would use different types of procedures where they said that they would drop these man, these critters on people. And they said they even use them in wartime. Um, I know people go, would they really, can you really inject or put spirochetes within an insect? Well, spirochetes occur naturally in nature. Literally, you find spirochetes in the guts of ants. How do they break down a lot of the, the wood that they eat, these wood ants? They have spirochetes. There's naturally, so they use them and there's different forms of spirochetes. So whenever they showed you know, like that there was documents that showed that they had put this around the sugar canes. Cause there's another book about sugar industry. I forgot what it's called, man. And it talked about like the war we've had about sugar all around the world. Cause that's a lot of our wars are started by sugar and because of the addictions of sugar. Wow. It's, it's eye opening, man. Like it, I just, you know, this is one of those things I'm glad we could probably talk even more about when we get offline here, but for it's, sure. Well, well here's the, and I guess it doesn't matter because maybe the treatment's the same, but the question is, well, am I walking around with Lyme bioweapon or am I walking around with naturally occurring Lyme that I got from a tick? I guess it doesn't yeah. matter, does it? I don't think it necessarily would matter. I think that from the documents or from like even some of the other reports that I've read, uh, read that, you know, that type of spirochete is meant to, you know, go after the nervous system the way it's, it's, um, it's uh, I guess set up, you know, because right. you say that the spirochetes uh, have a, a lot of similarity to um, uh, syphilis type because it has spirochete, you know, and that's what syphilis did. Syphilis goes and burrows into the brain and people get crazy on full moons and they're like, why? Because, you know, syphilis did what? Produces toxins and they come out in the full moon. So people say you had, the syphilis people would get crazy. Well, they're same shape. If you look at the shape of that, it's similar to spirochetes. Um, I try to like shy away from it, not saying that I like when I was talking about like, where did this Lyme or the one that affected us, was it naturally occurring? Because they found spirochetes evidence in like in ancient Egypt, 
found in ancient China. When they say it's in one area of the world, I'm like, no, it's been reported all over the world. Like, so I'm not exactly certain, brother. I don't know if it's just if it's, you know, what was uh, produced or what was um, naturally occurring. Right. Okay. Well, let's go back to draining the toxins because you mentioned in Babesia. I mean, we could go four hours. So eventually we're just going to have to cut each other off, but let's, we'll go, a cut each other off. <laughs> let's go a little longer. But so uh, the toxins in the brain with Babesia, obviously killing the infection is key, right? Because if you have the infection, it's this big reservoir of toxin excretion, right? So, yes. so it's kind of a, if I'm understanding it, the goal is like, it's a two- two prong or maybe greater prong approach, meaning knock the infection load down, but then also trying to drain out these toxins. So you and I were talking before we hit record about specific binders. So you feel that specific binders, maybe zeolites, clays, charcoal, silicas, chlorella, humic fulvic acids, those things can help drain the toxins from Babesia. Is that right? Yes. You just put it all in a nutshell, brother. Good. That's it, man. Uh, you usually try to find those kind of um, uh, products. That's what I use with my patients too and try to use the fulvic and humic minerals are so good uh, along with clay, bentonite clay and different types of charcoals are really good because they call it the push catch. Um, you know, Quicksilver is a good brand. They, they are really smart about saying you push out the infection, you catch the infections. So, you know, we talked about not trying to promote any company I'm saying, but like, you know, Cellcor is big about that and so is um I love Supreme Nutrition products, but I'm just saying I use herbals too and spices uh, in certain combinations to help all, you know, kill off the load, but also use them to help the endotoxins to pull that toxin binder out. Because it, many of you out there know that whenever you kill off an infection really heavily and those toxins pour into your blood or into your muscles, you're not going to feel too good. So I'm with you. All the things you just mentioned, you use those in combination, it will help clean out a lot. Okay. And what's your schedule? Are you late? I don't want to make you late for appointments, calls, patients. Well, I actually have to catch a flight here. And just to, It's the first flight I've been on a, on a long time. I had to do a little small um, uh, business outing, but I'm just saying, um, but I probably can go for another 10 minutes or so. Man, like I, no, I don't want to make you stressed on a travel yeah. day. So so let's let's wrap it up and we'll say definitely part two, part three, part 400 to come. Dude, um, that'd be great. And I want you to, hey, if we can yeah. we get you on our podcast too. I would so, love to. Um, that'd be awesome, brother. That'd be great. I would love so. to. So uh, man, I could go all day. Okay, last question. Then we're going to get your stuff. In terms of prevalence, I mean, you've been practicing almost two decades now, it sounds like. And what are you seeing with prevalence of these issues? Are there more sick people? Are the people sicker since two decades ago? I mean, what the heck is going on? 2022 report. Yes, I, I would have to say on the majority, most people are, are sicker. And I, um, because it seems like when they have a combination, I don't know if it's like the baby, the baby boomers, you know, they say like when people are adding up. Uh, the the administration of certain types of pharmaceuticals, and I'm not blaming the pharmaceutical company, I'm just saying the pharmaceuticals, but the amount of toxicities that they put into in the water and the food systems, it seems like I find maybe I was not that bright back when I first started because I would start to see like, you know, normal amounts of sickness. But now it's not only like their heart sickness, the hearts, because in Chinese medicine, the heart and the kidneys are the biggest thing that, that can suffer as you get older. It's not only that, but it's also the amount of infections that are going around. I, I am just so surprised, along with the food source, the food industry, I'm just saying like they, they poison us in many ways. But I don't know how like some people just get so inundated. Well, I have an idea. I have an idea why they get sick. But the prevalence of different types of infections, and I'm not going to try to go on that political route, but I'm saying um, bacterias, virals, yeast, fungus, Things are out there just so high, man. The body just stacks it on top of it, and they're finding new, you know, new strands of infection. Um, but I'm finding that more people are literally just more sick, and then we have more mental disease too because of all the stuff that's going on in the brain. As a very vague, I hope answer, but I, but that's I have seen more infection and sickness. Yeah, that's that that's a plenty good answer. Yeah, and, you know, schizophrenia, autism, uh, depression, oh. anxiety, OCD. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it's all related to these issues. Toxins, mold, we know affects the kidneys. So the mold problem is huge now. We build our houses tighter. Mold's epidemic. So I think the mold's really weakening people too. But we'll, I do too, man. I do too. We could have other conversations. I'm not trying to invite myself back on. Or you no, get, you're invited. Saying, dude, it's just, it's so much stuff, man. Like with mold and, and and fungus in the air. But I mean, I find that people like when we have high amounts of just, uh, I mean, flu plus strep plus staph. I'm not trying to, but literally it's just people like have staph and strep when they're a kid and they think that it's gone. And they say, I took antibiotics. And I said, yeah, you just adapted. You're a carrier. And so they have chronic infections for years. They go, I get the same chronic infection every August. 
I was like, I don't know why it comes out in August, but man, I'm just telling stories. Like I had a lady that had a scarred esophagus. I'm not patting myself on the back. Kept finding, I was like, there's a bacteria in there. There has to be. So I did some different frequency scanners. I was frequency generated at my, at my office. And I said, I think you got E. coli and a bit of H. pylori. She goes, okay. Go get, she goes, you know what? I had E. coli and it put me in the hospital when I was 19 and I almost died. I went, okay. Gave her rosemary, just rosemary. And it didn't make her feel good for like six months, right? She went back to the doctor. All the scarring was gone. And I was like, isn't that just amazing? Like those things have to stick around, but I think the testing will be better in the future. That's what I hope that all yeah, the infection yeah. testing better. Yeah. T- tell me about your website, your clinic. You're down in Nashville, Tennessee practicing. Yep. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, guys. My website's drmotley.com. You can do Dr. Motley or Dr. Motley spelled out. Uh, Facebook and Instagram is Dr. Motley all spelled out. Um, I have a practice. I've been in practice for almost 17, almost 18 years now. Uh, treat everything from, you know, not say treat, but help people balance and heal when they have Lyme, parasites, yeast, mold issues, uh, do some emotional work. Um, and we treat from people from everywhere from one day old to like those that are over a hundred. Um, but just a big, a long journey of like learning and treat a lot of Lyme disease and, um, just thankful to be able to help. So we use a lot of that information on Instagram and Facebook because I didn't have enough time like you, you know, Evan, like we're like, we want to answer questions but I didn't have enough time. So I went on Instagram just to just to try to answer questions. And then it turned into more and more people wanting to get on there and, and answer. So it's been a good journey. And that's where I'm at in Nashville. So if you guys check me out on my website, um, uh, if you have, want some information, you can check me out on Instagram or Facebook. Awesome, man. Well, you're a hero and we need people like you. Somebody's got to help all these people. So, you know, you and I got to take care of each other. We got to stay strong enough because there's a lot more people that need help. So you're right, brother. You're thanks right. Thanks for everything you're doing. Thanks, bro. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you. All right, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. We'll definitely have to connect again. Just an awesome guy, awesome guy. Uh, As I mentioned in the beginning, my third functional medicine training course, Better Belly, was first. Better Home, or Healthy Home Protocols, was second. Now the third, Better Energy Functional Medicine training course is open. So if you're exhausted, if you're depressed, if you can't exercise, or you can exercise, but then you crash, or you're sore or exhausted for hours or days afterwards, you want to find, you want to fix the root causes of this. You want to figure out why you have no sex drive, why your spouse is complaining about it, and you just can't get your mojo back. You want to learn how to double your mood, your performance, your libido, your focus, your concentration. You want to get your brain power better. This is not just energy. When people say energy, they think run a marathon energy. Yeah, that's part of it, but also just getting through your day-to-day task, mopping the floor, sweeping the floor, making the bed, changing the sheets on the bed. I mean, some of these day-to-day tasks can be very difficult, and I've seen it clinically to where even just mopping the floor could send a woman into an energy crash for two days. This is crazy stuff. And there are root causes that you can find and fix, whether it's mitochondrial problems, neurotransmitter issues, amino acid deficiencies, parasite, and other infections that are affecting your digestion. And therefore, you're not getting enough of your ribose and your carnitine to help fuel the mitochondria. I break all of this down and distill it into a very easy-to-follow, self-paced course. And it's less than two hours of my clinical time in terms of cost, and I'm doing a stupid good deal, probably, well, not even probably, this is the only time I'm ever going to do this, which is basically a buy one, get one free deal in terms of the course. I will not tell you more unless you just go check out the masterclass. So once again, we'll have the link. You have to just find a time that works for you to view the masterclass. You'll select the available time that works for you. You'll register for it. You can watch it. And then if you want to enroll, take back your health, let's do it. I'm super pumped. And This will be for maybe a couple of weeks at most. I don't have an expiration right this second on the deal, uh, but eventually after this first launch, we're going to be removing this extra course bonus that you're going to get, and it's only going to be better energy by itself. So I'll leave it at that, uh, get you interested, and go check it out. I'd love to have you. We've got almost 500 in better belly. We're going to end up with 500 in better energy. And what does that mean? Well, that means that there's going to be a ton of people like you that have clinical knowledge that are going to be able to help other people. Even with no previous health education, no health certification, I have students that have taken my course and are now charging over $100 an hour coaching their friends, coaching their family members, coaching people in their local community and their Facebook groups at their school that 
All they did is take the course. They learned the clinical skills. We opened up the doors for you to get access to professional supplements, professional lab testing. And now these people are, they're building a business is what they're doing. Some of the women are quitting their jobs because they're helping people now with this course. And as I mentioned in the beginning, Dr. Bright and some of the other um, medical doctors and naturopaths that I have as students in my course, they've taken five, 10, 15,000, if not more, even per semester in some cases, these courses, and they're all saying my course is better. And that's because I'm all about killer and no filler, meaning I cut straight to the chase. I give you exactly what you need. So go check it out. Better Energy is open. I hope you'll see me inside. It will change your life, your friends, your family. Who knows? You could change the world with this. So that's it for the plug. If you need help clinically one-on-one, we still have limited availability for that. You can reach out at my site. It's evanbrand.com. You can reach out to Megan, 15 minutes at no charge. You can talk. Let us know what your symptoms are. Or if you simply have questions about the courses, you can ask those questions during that consult as well. And I'll be talking with you again next week. So take good care of yourself in the meantime. Bye-bye. And we'll cash it in. Tonight, talk about the things that you like, girl.